is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Little roller up along first, behind the band, it gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. See you, Pittsburgh. Can't wait. It's a game on with Josh Silverberg. Game on! Talking all things sports. It's, it's game on! Yeah, game on! Game on! Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Welcome to another episode of Game On Live right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Joining you every single Friday, or as I like to say, Friday, Eastern Standard Time. Of course, Speedy PD producing the show. Check us out on WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Spotify, Periscope, Twitch. Speedy could type in anything else I forgot. I would say we would take phone calls tonight, but we are not able to because I am in a different location. And I am not going to I'll hear you, but you're not going to be able to hear me. Which I know is a dream for some um, people out there. Of course, we had a great show last week. Of course, my father joining last week. He is now in uh, Cancun, Mexico, living it up right now. Of course, my mom as well. My parents are out on vacation. Um, so, I, you know, here at their home, uh, the humble abode, as they say, and everything like that. A lot to discuss. We're going to get into hard knocks, second episode with the New York Jets, and we're going to get into a little bit of. Why people are saying what they're saying about no Snuggie is coming back uh, Monday. We're gonna get into a little bit of Robert Sala and everything that's been said about Robert Sala. Is he a coach that is a winning head coach? Do I think he's a winning head coach, or is it all just acts for the camera? Is he trying to do too much? We're getting into a little bit of that. The Miami Dolphins have a lot of news between Toronto. Uh, Teron Armstead, and um, uh, Xavier Howard making adult videos. So we'll get into a little bit of that conversation. And, of course, uh, get into a little bit of the basketball conversation. Why and what is the point of the in-game, in the in-season tournament? What is the purpose of it? I found out before the show started, Speedy and I were having a conversation. Does it have any meaning towards implications to the plus or anything like that. I will talk all about that. And then, of course, the buzzer beater and so much more. So we begin our leadoff spot, of course. And starting off top at number one, I really have to get into this because I did see this today. It does involve the New York Jets. And it involves WFAN. And it involves Tiki Bar. And I have to address, I have to address it because everybody else is talking about it. So pretty much what happened was on today's show, I, I, I don't listen to the, whatever it's called, the Tiki and Robert Evans. I don't know what it's called. I have no idea what it is. But either way, it was a show that was 
Um, today, the, the conversation was, why did the Jets not hold uh, a dual practice with the Tampa Buccaneers today? Well, this was reported a couple of days ago that they were not going to do this. One. Two. Tiki Barber then comes out on the show today and just gives completely false uh, information in regards to saying that the reason the Jets didn't hold a dual practice was in regards to the fact that he he said that because Hard Knocks is there, Robert Sala was not going to be at practice. And therefore, Hard Knocks, who was filming, they didn't want to have Hard Knocks film if Salah's not going to be there. Well, it was a complete lie because Robert Sala was at practice, by the way. He was there. And the reality of it is Tiki Barber just flat out gave falsified information and it just didn't make any sense or correlate to anything because when you're on the radio, the media, anything like that, of course, you could get things wrong. You could say things out loud, everything like that. This morning, Tiki Barber, I mean, there were there were pictures and everything that Sala was at practice. So I don't understand where Tiki Barber got this information from. And I, listen, he has said on the air, he is not a Jet hater. That's a lie. Number one. And number two, I saw WFAN went to Jet practice on Tuesday. Sean Marash and if Roberts were there, uh, judging from the pictures on Twitter, but why was Tiki Barber not there? But yet Tiki Barber went to visit the Jets at practice a couple weeks ago. But why was Tiki not there Tuesday? So my question is, how did Tiki Barber come up with this fugazi story? That's the thing I'm trying to figure out with Tiki is where did he get this from? Because clearly he did not check uh, Twitter to see that Robert Sala was indeed at practice, number one. But also, number two, the Jets have a preseason game tomorrow. Why would Robert Sala not be at practice unless it was a medical emergency or something, a very serious family issue? So that's the part I'm still trying to get clarified because you make up a story like that. Also, you're also hurting your character as in regards to the media. Because the thing of it too is he doesn't just work for WFN, he also calls games he calls games for CBS Sports. So that's the part I'm really trying to get figured out is where did Tiki even decide to, hey, let me come up with this story and see if it hits. But dude, nothing about it was remotely even true. I get it. But every jet reporter came up from Connor Hughes to Brian Costello to Zach Rosenblatt. So all the reporters basically said a second after the story was posted was yeah, no, Salah was, Salah was there. You know, that's the thing. And it, it, it's interesting that this would even be something that Tiki would even say to the public. And the fact that Evan Roberts didn't even stop him. He let the story continue on and on. That's the weird thing about it is why did Tiki, why did Evan Roberts, his co-host and social media partner, let him say this? So I just thought that was a very weird story. The other story that's come out for the New York Jets this week, it's in regards to um, the post that was reported from Aaron Rodgers in regards to saying he loves his seven teams, I like Garrett Wilson and Devontae Adams. And then he put David Bakhtiari on there on the post. And people were trying to figure out, well, what does this mean in regards to David Bakhtiari? Does, is Aaron Roberts, excuse me, is Aaron Rodgers sending a subtle message to the 
jet organization go out and get David Bakhtiari. The reality of it is this. One, Brian Gudenkus came out today and said, yeah, we're definitely not training David Bakhtiari because I look at it in this perspective. If you're the Green Bay Packers, why would you give David Bakhtiari to the New York Jets when you are, listen, they're going to own that first round pick. Why would you help the the Jets out and make that first round pick possibly be lower in the in the draft order? Wouldn't you, if you are the Packers, one you have Jordan Love there? Wouldn't you want to see Jordan Love develop and actually have a left tackle who's a very good player on that line too, and have a continuity on that line? It also goes back to why would the Packers trade him to the Jets if it makes the Jets better? The Packers are going on that first round pick. So that's the part to me I'm still trying to say, you know, why would this trade happen? Now, I'm glad Snug brought that up about Bakhtiari being an injury-prone player. Because Dwayne Brown, the last four years, has I, – I had it on rep, pro football on reference, and then uh, my computer decided to, hey, let's stop working. Um has played in more games than David Bakhtiari has the last couple years. The last four, where are you? The last three years, Bakhtiari has played in 12 games, played in one game in 2021, and 11 games in 2022. Before last year, I believe Dwayne Brown played in 16 and 17 games and 16 games, if I'm not mistaken. Now, Dwayne Brown is out right now with a shoulder injury, and that has been a cause for concern. Would you want to trade a higher draft pick anyway for a guy in Bakhtiari who hasn't been healthy in the last three years? That's the question that the New York Jets would have to sit down and say, would that even be the right thing to do? Are we doing ourselves a service by bringing this player in when he's been injury prone? He hasn't had a healthy season since 2019. We're going on four years here. Okay. Dwayne Brown in the last couple of years, even before last year, has been more reliable than Bakhtiari has. That's the other thing we have to consider here if you're the New York Jets. Is Bakhtiari going to give me a full healthy season? He hasn't done it in three years. And maybe it was again, it could be I did get the you know the Bakhtiari report that he basically made fun of Aaron. You have to remember. Um, he did make the joke that Aaron Rodgers is slow and doesn't have any mobility, and Jordan Love does. It was again, remember Bakhtiari and Aaron Rodgers are best friends, so you gotta take that to fruition that it was probably just a, a joke. It's a joke, and basically, Aaron Rodgers is probably telling David Bakhtiari, Kiss my you know what. That's why you also remember, don't forget where he put his Instagram name, he put it where you know, in, in, where it. He put it where his ass is, where Rodgers played Bakhtiari's name. So it could just be a little subtle between friends and everything like that, a little push here or there. But I look at it like this. We know the offensive line has been a very big point for the New York Jets so far in the last few weeks. We've heard it. We've seen it. We have issues with it, right? As good as David Bakhtiari is, how reliable is David Bakhtiari going to be for the New York Jets if he were to come here? Like, I, I, I just don't know how much he's going to give. I mean, the guy played 11 games last year, one game the year before, and then 12 games in 2020. 
So that's the thing. I don't know how reliable Bakhtiari is going to be for the New York Jets. He hasn't had a full healthy year in four years. He's older. My my thought process is this. I think if you're the New York Jets, Wayne Brown is still a good player. Your hope is Makai Becton, from what everything that has been talked about the last couple days, the thing about Makai that has been very good in the last couple of days is that he's been really good at the right tackle position. So it sounds like Makai is going to get, is going to give Makai that right tackle spot. You have Vera Tucker. You have Joe Tittman, who you drafted your second-round pick. You have Lakeland Tomlinson, who's a Pro Bowl player. And then you hope Dwayne Brown, like I said, Dwayne Brown comes back from the shoulder injury, gets the surgery, still played at a very high level last year when he had the injury at his age. We haven't seen the Jet offensive line fully healthy just yet. So I want to wait a little bit before we start to throw out these trade, uh, these trades and everything like that for – Bakhtiari, it came out today anyway. We're talking about it, but yet Goon and Gusare said, we're not trading Bakhtiari. Like if you're the Packers, you'd want to have a really good left tackle there for Jordan Love so you can – you're not just throwing everything by the wayside and because you want to let Jordan Love develop. And I feel like if you have a all-pro left tackle in Bakhtiari, to me, I think that's the biggest thing. Before we go to break, obviously, we've heard a couple of the stories. The Miami Dolphins, Teron Armstead – Got a very big scare in practice the other day. He's about 33 years old, though, too. Don't forget that. He left practice on a cart the other day. He's trying to make it back for week one. He is somebody that the Miami Dolphins desperately need because Tua can't be touched. That's the biggest thing, right? And the Dolphins have had a pretty unlucky offseason so far. Your Armstead hurt. Jalen Ramsey's probably out till December. And then it's the Xavier Howard situation, right? It's weird. So he was like making adult videos and everything like that and posting them. And then an ex or something came over and bashed his car in and stuff like that. Very weird, odd story. I think the Miami Dolphins are a team that's got to get under control because I feel like that when you look at where they are right now, you already lost a very key component in Jalen Ramsey. Bradley Chubb is an injury-prone linebacker. Worry about that. And then you have, obviously, Armstead, who gets hurt. So you combine all of that together with the Miami Dolphins. Two is one concussion away, ladies and gentlemen, from never playing football again. We know this. We've seen it. We saw it on national TV last year. So the idea that Tehran Armstead, who is one of the better left tackles in football, he's out for an extended period of time. Miami Dolphins are in a lot of trouble. And the thing is, the Dolphins already had a weakness on the offensive line this year. All right? They had a weakness on the offensive line this year. That is something that's got to be addressed. I'm going to get into the running back stuff when we get back from the break as well. I'll talk a little bit about Dalvin Cook, what he does for the New York Jets. I know that was the big headline this week, Dalvin Cook. And why I think that that contract that the Jets gave Dalvin Cook is genius. By Joe Douglas. We'll get into that. I'll get into a little bit about Robert Sala. What is he showing me as a Jet fan in regards to do I think he's a winning head coach? Or is he just lucky that he has Aaron Rodgers here and, 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 and maybe he's just a good coordinator? Discuss all that. Get into the NBA conversation. And then we'll get into our buzzer beater. We'll be right back. This is Game On live right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Game on! Game on! We're back! You're listening to Game On with Josh Silverberg. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. I am Josh Silverberg, joining you for Game On every Friday, yay, from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We still have a lot to get into. Of course, the big news that was talked about this week, the New York Jets signing Dalvin Cook, they signed him to a one-year, I think it was $7.2 million, if I'm not mistaken. So here's how the contract is going to work. It, it, it's interesting. Right now, he gets a, over a little over a mil guaranteed. He gets then paid on a weekly basis with incentives and everything like that that will turn it into guaranteed money. But he is essentially paid on a guaranteed basis. When the report came out as well, you know, that Cook always wanted to go to the Jets. You know, he never even went to visit the Dolphins. He never made any other visits but with the Jets. And the thing was at the time, I felt it was kind of odd because I said to myself, why is Dalvin Cook being allowed to an open practice, looking at everything, viewing the playbook, seeing what plays are being called, everything, watching it, talking to Sala, chatting it up with, with Woody, Woody Johnson and Joe Douglas and, and all that. And I said to myself, this is odd. Like, you, I feel like you need to have this guy signed then because I don't think you would just let this guy just show up to an open practice and view and watch everything. And then, of course, it came out a couple of weeks later. He gets signed by the New York Jets. So he's here. Brees Hall came back to practice yesterday. Full participant. Um, was, was doing some work still. He still had the burst, which was great to see. He's looking like he's on track to, for week one. And then, of course, you have Michael Carter, who's had a good preseason so far. The odd man out to me looks like it's going to be Bam Knight. That's what it's looking like. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. The Jets running back, I mean, you can make the case now. The, J- the Jets have uh, – I don't, I don't understand what I did. Ah, see, I touched things, and then that's what happens. This is why I got to put it up on my phone when I do this. Uh, in regards to what the Jets are going to do, it's in regards to the fact that the, the Jets are indeed going to have arguably the best duo running back in football. I actually, I'm, I want to bring Speedy in now. Speedy, you there? Yeah. Okay. Name me the top five in your opinion. And I asked Speedy this because Speedy is in great I know the Rangers are his team, but he's ingrained in the NFL. What are your top five running back duos, starting from five being last to one being number one? Hmm. Who would your top five be? That is a good question. Um, I think, obviously, he has to prove himself, but of what we know of him as a prospect, I think you got to put Atlanta up there with Patterson, Algier, and Robinson, I think has to be okay. in that mix. Probably lower because he's a rookie, but everyone believes he's going to be – that big Seattle's up there too. The Kenneth Walker. Yeah, wait, hold on. So, hold on. So, Atlanta's five. You have Seattle four. I think Seattle. Yeah. Again, Charbonnet's a rookie, but I like him too. You have Kenneth Walker. Um, Pete Carroll always finds some other random running backs too. Um, I would say um, 
Let's see. The Broncos, I could, you, you could put up there, too, if Javante Williams comes back, because I like P. Ryan as well. He played really well last year with the Bengals. Um, let's see. I, the Jets are – I think the Jets are one, and I'll say hmm, – Yeah, the Jets are Yeah, I would – With uh, – San, Fran San Francisco, too. I'll, okay. McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell. There you go. All right, so you have – tell me if I'm wrong. You have the Jets one – I'll say Jets, 49ers, yeah, Broncos, Seahawks, Falcons, I'll say. Okay. Okay. So that's that. Now let me ask you this. If the Jets were to put – do you think the Jets are going to carry all four running backs or do you think one of them is going to have to be cut? Yeah. Or put on practice squad and somebody's going to pick them up? Yeah, I was going to say practice squad probably with either uh, the rookie Israel, Avakanita. Well, that's the thing. Well, Israel's going to get put on the team. Yeah. Or, yeah, or Bam on the practice squad because one of them has eligibility. I, I don't think – Michael Carter, he might have some left, but he's a third-year player, so I don't know how much eligibility he would have for that. So I would imagine no, one so of those I, I two are going to be on. This again, it's, it's going to have to be Paul Cook, Carter, Vinaconda is going to have to be, I think, the four. And I think Bam's going to be put on the practice squad and somebody's going to pick him up. That You know, that's, that's the reality of the situation. Is I mean, you could try to trade... You know what I mean? You're going to try to trade two. Um, you're going to try, you know, maybe you try to trade Bam. And, and that's the thing. And, and it's interesting, you know, people are saying, how is this going to mesh with Cook and Hall? The reality is, I think it meshes very well. One, because it lets Hall ease back into the NFL, right? Because towards ACL last year, that's a tough injury to come from. It takes longer than about a year. Ask Saquon Barkley. Him about two years to get fully recovered from that. Hall looks good. It's just practice, though. That's the thing. This is not in-game action. This is just practice and everything. His speed burst looks great. And I think, listen, you can complement each other. You can never have, in my opinion, enough good running backs on a team. You know, that's it's like Speedy said. You look at Mixon and Pirine, two two really good running backs. They mesh in very well with those two. You then also are going to add – now, Speedy added a lot of rookies on, on that list as well. You know, but then you also have San Francisco, so McCaffrey leading the way and everything of that nature. And then also even with Green Bay when they had Jones and Dylan. Like, it, it, you can mesh it well. That's, that's the thing, you know. And, and that's and – that's and, and, and the reality is, is this. When it comes time for when the Jets need a situational, and I know people are saying, "Oh, are they the same style as in regards to their the way they play?" I, I don't think they are. I think, yeah, they're both be speed speed burst running backs. I think Cook has better hands out on the field than 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 Hall does, and that's the thing too. Say somebody gets hurt, well, you have the other one. That's the nice thing about having depth. I don't think you could ever have enough depth on your team. So you can't complain about this if you're any fan. I mean, if you're a Jeff fan, right now you're giving him 1.07 mil guaranteed, and the rest of the money that is supposed to be guaranteed will be guaranteed, but it's on a weekly incentive. So say he were to get hurt or he's not playing well and the Jets decide to cut him, the money's not. the rest of that money's not guaranteed then. So I think that benefits the Jets. It clearly seems like Dalvin Cook really wanted to come here. That's the the, the um, perception I got out of this. Because, again, he didn't take another visit with Miami 
He didn't take a visit with New England. None of that. He only went to the Jets, and that was it. It was just, like I said, I felt at the time very odd when Cook left the facility. And I understood he needed time to decide and make a decision with his family and stuff like that. But it would have been very, very, very weird if you're letting this guy come to an open practice, watch all the plays, watch everything be done, talk to the coaches and everything. He's now getting a vision and say he goes to like the Dolphins. Like that's weird. Because when I look at that, I say to myself, well, you just let everything out. And Dalvin Cook knows this, and he's going to go to the Dolphins now, um, who I think could have used Dalvin Cook as well. And, and, you're, and you're now going to see why depth is a huge thing, especially at the running back position. So that, I think, was a very good sign for the New York Jets. I want to get into the hard knocks conversation. We've seen Aaron Rodgers looks great. Um, in regards to being a team leader and a builder and everything like that, I thought the thing he had with Makai Becton this past week where he told Makai that he's proud of you and he wants to see him keep grinding and he wants to set up a lunch with him this week to go over things. Because it clearly seems like the Jets are trying to build Makai to be that right tackle. Um, in regards to uh, where we're all looking and pointing fingers at, like I Love Jeff Ulbrich, how he's been. Nathaniel Hackett, same thing. Everybody's pointing the finger at Robert Sala. Is he being genuine? Or is this a solve for the cameras? Because we know the Crow Eagle story was a TikTok thing, right? And I said that on the show last week when my dad co-hosted with me. I said that last week. It, 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 was, a, it was a it was basically a, a, a team motivational build with those words. Listen, is Sala Rex? No, he's not. They're very different styles of coaches. Rex is a in-your-face, get at it, uh, you know, talk to the media, bravado, everything. Sala is, is very low-key with that, humbled at times, can make a mistake here or there, but that doesn't always make you a great X's and O's head coach. And I still do have questions about Salah. I do. Is Robert Salah the guy that can win a Super Bowl with this team? I don't know. We're not going to know until the year, until the season starts, right? Like, that's what it comes down to, is we could talk a lot and say a lot, what we're seeing on camera. Like, is Salah being you know, like, he like he lets Aaron Rodgers kind of be a coach on this team, which I think is fine. Listen, he made a very good point when he said Aaron Rodgers has been in this league for 19 years. Of course, I'm going to lean on him for things to say as you know, being a coach, but also a player coach, too. Like you've clearly seen him working with Zach Wilson and being very blunt with Zach and telling Zach what he's doing right and what he's doing wrong and what he needs to do better. The thing that I will give solid credit for, I remember when he got hired as a jet head coach, he was at a, I believe, a coach's a coaching conference where he talked to different coaches around the league and something like that, he made a point where he said in the video that as the head coach, he's an overseer of the entire team. That's what he is. He hires the people on his staff to do their job, and he will not overstep that point. That's the thing that I think we look at and we say – if you, because if you notice, 
Sal is letting Hackett do the offense. He's letting Ulbrick do the defense. And, of course, letting Boyer do the special teams. He's not overstepping anybody. Because, again, as Sal said in the conference, I hire these coaches to do the job they're supposed to do. I'm an overseer of a team. So if I see something wrong that's, you know, or inaccurate or something that I don't think is going to work, I'll chime in. But these are the coaches I have to trust to run this organization. Otherwise, what am I hiring them for? I could just be – because some teams, you know, like Rex used to do that all the time. Like Rex had Mike Pennon as the defensive coordinator forever with the Jets. But Pennon wasn't calling the plays. Rex was calling the plays. You clearly saw that. Rex had nothing to do with the offense. He left it up to uh, Brian Schoenheim. Salah will get a visual of everything. I will give Salah that credit. He does leave his coaches up to them to let them do their job and not overstep. And that's something that a lot of coaches in this league, they don't do. Like, you could, you, you could clearly see with the Rams – that Sean McVay is the offensive coach and the head coach. I don't care that LaFleur is there now. He's the he's the offensive coach. Green Bay is the same thing. I don't know who the Green Bay offensive coordinator is. I have no idea who the Green Bay offensive coordinator is. I don't know. San Francisco, same thing. I don't know who the San Francisco offensive coordinator is. But why do San Francisco defensive coordinators keep getting hired? Because Shanahan will use the defenses alone in San Francisco. So that's where, you you know, if you're Salah, you know, you're leaving guys alone and letting them do the job and build. And I think that's also a mistake that he kind of made with LaFleur the last two years, right? He made that mistake with LaFleur the last couple of years where he left LaFleur alone and didn't chime in enough. But now you have a guy, Nathaniel Hackett, who has been a successful offensive coordinator in the past, come here, do his job, do what he does what he needs to do. So I think when you look at the whole thing, Robert Sala, although he might not seem like a winning head coach, it's all going to depend on, you know, on the field this year, right? That's what it, that's what it boils down to. It boils down to, I mean, look at the last few head coaches that have won Super Bowls, right? Belichick, Reed, uh, Carroll, uh, I believe, I believe it was Kubiak that won with uh, Denver when Manning won. So, like, those are the, you know, veteran coaches. You know, but then you also you have the guys that have been to the Super Bowl, like young guys too, who people were questioning, are they good head coaches? And Nick Sirianni, prime example. Nick Sirianni went to the Super Bowl last year. That team is really good. He's obviously developed Jalen Hurts really well. But the thing about Sirianni is he also, from what I've seen on video, he gets involved in the defensive head calling too. And that's what I think is a good thing. The Bengals too with Zach Taylor. So I think if you're a Sala, you're letting your men, and if women get hired too, of course, women are on staff too, do their jobs. Right? Because then the, the point I'm trying to make here is, and I'll get to it, Carl, is everybody is questioning with Robert Sala, what does he do well and what doesn't he do well? I think what he does well is he leaves his staff alone to do his job. What he doesn't do well enough, I think, 
that he still clearly needs to work on is sometimes the way he talks to the team and everything like that. I don't think it's it's low-key, mellow. He tries to be a player's coach. I think he does need to get up in the player's business a little bit more at times. But the next thing that Salah does is he, he hires his men to do the job. So I think that's where Salah does things well there. Now, I know some people don't like how Salah's been portrayed on Hard Knocks. Some people say he doesn't seem like a winning head coach with the way he talks, the way he acts, the way he does things, the way he has meetings, the way he coaches. We don't know anything. So we're going to wait and see the point this year with Salah. So everybody that's insulting Salah for what he doesn't do well, you got to point to the things that he does do well, okay? As, as I say, there's pros and cons. So that's the point that I'm trying to get at, Carl, is that there's pros and cons in every single coach, good or bad, okay? I can tell you, Adam Gase is a prime example. Adam Gase had a crap ton of cons. But what did Adam Gase do well as a pro? Well, he brought Joe Douglas here to the New York Jets. There's a pro right there that trumps almost anything else. There's always good in people, and then there's bad in people. When we come back, I'm going to discuss a little bit about the NBA and their in-season tournament and why I think it is absolutely pointless. Uh, why I don't think any – I mean, people will watch it, but I don't think any – I'm not going to care about it because it has nothing to do with the regular season. And then we'll get to our buzzer beer. That's all coming up right back here on Game On. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Game on! Game on! We're back! You're listening to Game On with Josh Silverberg. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are back to the last bit of Game On Live right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Josh Silverberg. Of course, joining me as always on Mr. Producer himself, Speedy Petey. Check us out at WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, uh, Periscope, all different platforms that we have. Going on, I totally forgot to mention this, but Colin Cowherd talking about quarterbacks that can't win the Super Bowl, and he put Dwayne Haskins up there. <laughs> that was my reaction when I saw that. I was like, "What? Well, really?" I'm like, "How do you screw? How do you screw that up?" That's the point where somebody clearly was not doing their job in the sense of, okay. Let's, we're going to put a list out there. But of course he can't win. The guy's passed away. It, to, to me, it, it didn't make any sense. And then it actually had on the graphic, quarterbacks that can win the Super Bowl. I thought that was unbelievable how just poorly produced that was. How do you screw that up? But then Colin goes on and says Dwayne Haskins name out of all the names. I'm like, oh, my guy. How do you not realize that? And the thing about Coward is every hour he starts the show with his beginning points every – again, it's very lazy how it's produced. And and then he goes on – and, of course, Colin's the, uh, the king of changing his narrative and opinion um, because I remember when the Jets got Aaron Rodgers, it's not going to work, and three days later he's – no, he said why the Jets should get Aaron Rodgers, and three days later he said why the Jets getting Aaron Rodgers would be a disaster. Need I say more in regards to how that's being done? But in regards to how you don't, you know, fact check that, 
It's unbelievable. And you miss that. And I'm glad Carl said that because as I was talking to Errol about the Johnny Manzo show, I think Errol, Speedy, are you, Speedy, come join me again. You there? Yeah, what? Did, did Errol talk to you about the Johnny Manziel show? He mentioned that he saw it to one of the and guests. And he said he liked it. Yeah, he, he described it in depth. He didn't really like describe it to me, but he said it one, to one of the guests that he was watching that. And he feel, feels bad for him. Feels bad, but he also said he liked the show. And also he says to watch the QB show. I haven't watched the QB show on Netflix yet. There's so much stuff going on. Like, there's too much of this, these, these reality shows almost going on right now. It's a lot to follow and everything of that nature. Um, but I, I, I will check it out. That I'm getting different opinions from Arrow, and I'm getting one from Carl. So I, I, I guess I got to check it out. One says good, one says bad. A lot. There we go again. The pros and cons of a show. Some one says it's a good show, the other says it's a bad show. So curious with that. But I want to get to the NBA conversation right now and why no Carl. There is no James Harden talk because James Harden said Daryl Moore he's never going to play for him again. We don't need to discuss any more than that. Why? Are, why is the NBA doing this in-season tournament? Well, I believe um, Speed and I were talking about it in our pre-meeting before the show that I believe the winner, the winning team each player gets like $500,000 if I'm not mistaken. So it doesn't have any playoff implications. It doesn't have anything to do with that. Nothing to do with the standings. The games don't count. But I'm just trying to figure out, okay, if it's just exhibition games. Like, who cares then? Now, it's going to be a good thing, and Speedy brought up a very good point before the show. It's going to do well for guys that are maybe undrafted rookie free agents, guys like that, that are going to get money out of that too. But the point of it being is this. I understand they're trying to, to grow the game more than what it has to be, but the, the reality of it is this. This has nothing to do with any NBA standings in regards to all of that, of that nature. So what is the sole purpose of doing a tournament like this if it doesn't have anything to do with any standings or anything to do with any playoff implications or anything like that? Why bother? You know, I understand you're trying to give incentive to the players. It kind of gives them a break, per se. Like, it gives them, like, a mini break. But what I'm trying to understand is this. Okay, so you're doing this tournament, and you're figuring out what will motivate the players to do this tournament? Oh, okay, we're going to give them money. They're going to go all in. But what if coaches say, nah, like Giannis is playing. We're only going to give play Giannis for a couple minutes because if he gets hurt in a meaningless tournament, we lose him for the season, per se. Uh, season squashed. So I ask is, how much are the coaches really going to be involved in this tournament? Are they going to be all in and doing this tournament? I'm not entirely sure. And that's the question that I'm going to have for, uh, you know, and I understand Carl's point, yes, to generate buzz. That's all well and good. The thing of it is, say, for example, I don't know, the Atlanta Hawks win the, the tournament. It, but is anybody even going to remember that? Because we know the Hawks are not going to sniff a championship. Like, so does it really matter? Like, are people going to – like, like if the Charlotte Hornets somehow won the championship, are people going to jump on the Charlotte Hornets bandwagon and say, that's it, they're a contender in the Eastern Conference? Are they better than these teams? If I were to ask ask Carl for the example, Carl, if the Charlotte Hornets won the tournament, are you going to put your money on the Hornets winning the NBA Finals this year? 
or you just can be like, okay, cool, they won a tournament. Doesn't mean anything. Right, we're back to the regular season again. That's the part I'm just trying to figure. I know you're trying to create buzz and generate something, but to me, I don't think it's really going to do much. As a Nick fan, I prefer to see less Jalen Brunson and less, um, you know, RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson and Josh Hart in this tournament because I don't want anybody to get hurt. You know what I mean? So that's the point. I, I think I'm wondering how in our the coaches in this tournament. I just don't know if it's going to work. Listen, people are going to watch it, but after a while, you're going to have to say, if you're like Tom Thibodeau or Eric Spolstra, or you're any of these coaches, like, are you going to want to play your star players for X amount of time? You know, Steve Kerr, are you going to want to play your play your star players for this amount of time? Um, you know, will, will, like, will Mike Malone want to play, uh, you know, you know, you know, Jokic for 16, 17, 18 minutes for a tournament that's meaningless. Like, that's the part that I just don't think it's going to – it's not going to be as entertaining as they want it to be. Remember the video game NBA Street? You do something like that. You just do something like no rules or anything like that, but that will never happen, of course. But I just – I just don't know if it's really going to generate as much as people think it was. You know, people think it will. My buzzer beer is in regards to everything that is going on with AEW and leading up to the big show at Wembley Stadium uh, next Sunday. They've sold over 80,000 tickets for that show. And then we found out today that Cash Wheeler was waving a weapon at another car and threatening and everything like that. Now, for those that don't know, FTR is in one of their big matches with the Young Bucks. That's one of the big headline matches for the show. Uh, the ruling came out. All of his weapons must be taken. Uh, they didn't ask for his passport to be taken away. He has no past criminal action. You know, he doesn't have any of that. So that's the biggest thing is, you know, is FTR still going to be at this all-in show? It sounds like they will be. So that's one. And I have another buzzer beater show, a buzzer beater. And the report that I've been hearing about is, should the New York Yankees trade Garrett Cole? It's, it's, it's a fascinating point because, you you know, people are saying, well, well Garrett Cole wave is no trade because he clearly doesn't see if, if the Yankees are going to go anywhere. I don't think they will trade him. Um, but the point of it is, is this. If you get an offer that is ridiculous, but again, it's a no trade. But if you get an offer that's absolutely absurd, because right now they did an MLB uh, minor league system ranking. I believe the Yankees were 22 out of 30 for the minor league system. And other than Dominguez, they really don't have much coming up for the future. So the, the question is, do the Yankees entertain the idea of trading Garrett Cole? Now, if you're another team, of course, you have to take on that massive contract. I think he has another five or six years on the contract. I, 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 I you know, so, and no, Carl, that is completely not true. New York Sports Radio was talking about it all morning today. Would the Yankees entertain an offer for Garrett Cole? No, the Yankees are not trading Garrett Cole. He's here. Nor do, I don't think he wants to be traded. I think he wants this to be figured out. The question is, how are the Yankees going to do this with all the big contracts that they have? Not entirely sure. We're going to have to wait and see about that in regards to how can the Yankees get back to it. Is Brian Cashman going to be let go? Is Aaron Boone going to be let go? People keep saying 
the reporters here in New York keep saying that Steinbrenner's going to keep them again next year. I don't know how you can sell that to the fan base and and not have anybody have picket signs outside Yankee Stadium saying, are you serious? I, I think it comes a time where Cashman's been here forever, where it's time to call it, call it quits, move on, get, you know, maybe get new thought process in the front office. Do it differently. Something like that. So I think that that is something that the Yankees need to look at for sure. But that is our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, check us out at WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Periscope, Spotify, Twitch, all the social media platforms. I want to thank Speedy of course. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for listening and following along for the show this evening. I uh, hope everybody has a fantastic Wonderful weekend as the summer winds down. More people are going to be going back to work. Schools are opening up again. And the kids are going back to school. So these last couple of weeks, we're trying to enjoy it here in New York. I know Florida, Carl was saying, Florida schools have started. Because they're, I believe their summer break starts. If I'm not mistaken, Carl can say I'm wrong on this. I want to say it's May, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's in May. The summer break in Florida starts and it goes to August. So... You know, but summer's pretty much winding down. Fall's here. Football season's going to be up and running. New York baseball absolutely is atrocious here this year. I know some people are happy about that. As a Met fan, I'm not. Hoping for the best in the future. Giants play tonight. The Jets play tomorrow. Other preseason football. We'll get some more conversation next week. We're going to do a little all-in AEW preview uh, for the show at Wembley Stadium. We'll get into all that. How about WrestleMania, huh? Two days, two days there, and it sold, I believe, 90000 with, uh, I don't know if that was ticket revenue or anything like that for the two days. So good job on their part. That's 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 good on their part, but they're keeping it up. Uh, Carl says, go Cubs, go. Yep, listen, Cubs are in the wild card right now, man. Enjoy the Cubs and everything like that, man. But thank you again to all and everybody listening. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next Friday. This is Josh Silverberg saying have a good one, everybody. Thanks for listening to Game On Live right here. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.